Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. We uh, thank you for sharing our podcast, and uh, we just appreciate your prayers and just being with us today. Very important topic, and um, yeah, powerful testimony Laura Perry has. But we're going to talk about uh, when Christians support the LGBTQ, when they support it. Maybe they have a relative or a family member who came out as gay or lesbian or transgender, So should a Christian parent just support their child, whatever their chosen gender, when they're that young and whatever they want to do? We're going to talk a lot about that today and talk about some cultural issues and just the influence. Some of it subtle, some of it in your face from the LGBT movement. Father, uh, give us wisdom today and give us your heart to look into this topic and know how to respond in love but with truth when we have conversations about this with friends, with family, maybe on social media. Oh, Lord, help us. Um, but, Lord, help us always to stay uh, strong on your word, and uh, we can be loving and compassionate and tell them the truth at the same time, although we understand, Lord, people will not perceive it that way. Um, they might interpret it as being unloving or hateful or intolerant, Lord, but those are just words, and that's not persecution, Um, We thank you, Lord, for giving us your word of truth. We thank you for loving us, saving us, choosing us to go and bear fruit that will last. And we ask for you to guide this conversation today. Encourage the hearts that need encouragement. Inform those who need tools in in their uh, belt, so to speak, on how to respond to these issues in our culture and maybe even with a family member and help us to do the hard thing, Lord. uh, Love them with the truth. Um, We lift up this hour to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are uh, thrilled to have back with us Laura Perry. You've heard her testimony a couple times, uh, starting from a year and a half ago, I think. We had her on the first time. And uh, we'll connect those podcast links in today's blog post at standardforthetruth.com. But um, she's a former transgender. She lived for years by the name of Jake. And she went from... Being a girl to being Jake to now being a girl again, of course, we know that God made her female, but we're going to talk a lot about that and also how to respond to some of these cultural issues and the confusion that has seeped into the church. Laura Perry, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for having me back on. Oh, what a blessing it is to catch up with you. Um, I believe you have so much experience and wisdom, um, all based on God's Word, to share with people who have questions and before we get into the, the debates and how what people are dealing with, the attacks of Christians being intolerant if they believe the Bible on sexuality, um, you're working on something or you're a part of something called In His Image. It's a film project with the American Family Association. It's coming out soon. Would you please tell us about that? Yeah, it is um, going to be an amazing documentary that is um, uh, just World class. I mean, the the graphics and the video and everything are so amazing in this. So this is not a cheap documentary, and it's going to be released in. Um, it's a Fathom event. It's going to be in 600 theaters nationwide. Wow. Uh, 
um, October 20th and 21st. And so we are just really excited. Uh, this is going to be such a powerful documentary of um, both love and truth. And we've got um, several testimonies in it. Is um, mine, along with um, the director of the ministry that I work for, First Stone. Um, his name is Stephen Black. He's in it as well. Um, and also uh, Walt Heyer. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I figure a lot of your listeners may be familiar with Walt Heyer. He's a former transgender as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's an amazing man. He's been doing this ministry a long time. So, uh, and then also a lot of experts in this area, just uh, people that have different perspectives. Um, Dr. Everett Piper, that had a big influence on my life personally, but also is a national speaker now. Um, uh, Dr. Michelle Cortella, that has spoken a lot about yes. these issues. Um, and um, there's, there's just many others that have really good perspectives on this, like how do we do this biblically? So I just I think your listeners will absolutely love it. I know they will, and there'll be a lot yeah. of good information in there. Walt, of course, uh, his website, Sex Change Regret, really yeah. helps inform a lot of people. So we're excited. That October, you said, right? We'll, uh, we'll have you on definitely, God willing, of course, uh, yeah. maybe uh, in September, late September, or early October to maybe plug that project again. But uh, let's jump into some of the cultural things, Laura, before we remind people of your testimony um, you know, you know what? I changed my mind. Let, let's start there. Um, just give people, since a lot of our listeners have heard your story, some new listeners haven't. So uh, share a little bit about your background. Your parents are Christians. You grew up going to church, and yet you always struggled, not always, but at some point you struggled with uh, just being a girl. Tell us about that and what happened. Sure. And um, and looking back, it was a lot of different factors. Um, as the Lord has sort of peeled away the, the layers of the onion, I've realized that um, you know, it started very early in childhood, which is um, feeling like my brother was preferred over me. And mm. I think, you know, the enemy plants these little seeds, but then you start holding on to it and you begin to believe it. And so I really, I began to act more like my brother and be a little more rough. And then, you know, the more I acted like my brother, the more other girls would um, reject me. And looking back, I just had, you know, feel like I wasn't one of the girls and feel like I didn't fit in. And then, and then you start to believe, well, it's because I was supposed to be this way. And, um, you know, all these different factors throughout life. And, um, and then in high school, just trying so hard to, to fix my own problems and through all the ways of the world, you know. And eventually, when that wasn't um, helping, I got into a lot of pornography and a lot of just sexual sin of all kinds. But when that wasn't fixing the wounds inside, um, I decided to become transgender. And I went down the whole route just even the legal steps of having my name legally changed, become legally male. I had two major surgeries. I took hormones for years and had a beard and all these other things and thought I would find happiness, you know. And for a while, it was um, it was fun for a while. I mean, sin hmm. always has its season, you know. And for a while, it was like, this is way better than it was before because I wasn't dealing with the pain. It masked the pain just like a drug would. But eventually, that starts to wear off, hmm. you know, and it left me just really empty feeling and I realized that it was never going to make me a man, you know, and that was the most devastating part. Like, even after these surgeries, realizing that it hadn't made me a man and that it was never going to be real. Wow. You know, and that that was the most devastating part of it all. But I didn't know what to do about it, and there was no way I was going to be a girl. Um, but the Lord in His great mercy reached down where I was, and He just radically saved me and changed me. But my heart was so changed, and so... Uh, but I didn't know what to do about it, you know, and I thought, well, 
you know, um, I recognize it wasn't God's will to be transgender, um, but this is the best it's ever going to get. But the Lord began to convict me more and more and more, and just He slowly just drew me out of that lifestyle. And so now He's completely saved and set me free. And He's so set me free now um, after, you know, I was willing to just walk away from it all, honestly. But I'm so set free now that most of the time people don't even hardly believe I was ever transgender. I'm <laughs> so feminine, and I love it, and it's not an act or something. You know, it's I genuinely have totally embraced um, being feminine, and I love it, and I love embracing who God created me to be. Well, that's who you are in Christ yeah. as well. Yeah. You are perfect the way he made you. I love the um, little tag on the top of your book, Ray Comfort offered a plug. He said, uh, by the way, the book is called Transgender to Transformed. And he said, this book offers a living hope and healing for those struggling to find their true identity and encouragement for families who love them. And that's it's so true. And when we finally get into that niche of who God created us to be, sometimes our struggle is not always gender or identity. Sometimes it's purpose in life, profession, our gifts, spiritual gifts. What are we gifted to do? What are we passionate about? Once we get in that and do that for the Lord, then, you know, you start clicking on all cylinders. Some people call it the sweet spot. So how many years were you living as Jake? And for our listeners who aren't familiar with your story, did you have hormone therapy? Did you have surgeries? And um, how did you have to come out of that? Yeah, I had had, I'd been on hormones, and the whole process was almost nine years. Um, and I, the hormones, you know, began to lower my voice, and it was lower then than it is now. I'm so thankful. <laughs> the Lord has been merciful. Um, but then um, began growing facial hair and all of that, and I had um, a double mastectomy along with um, a cosmetic procedure, like to make it look more masculine. Mm-hmm. And then I had um, all the female organs removed. Wow. So. You know, wow. people will tell me now because they don't like my story sometimes, and they'll say, oh, you were never really transgender. I'm like, yeah, that's why I went through all these surgeries, you know. <laughs> um, but the point is that no one is really transgender. Yes, we have these feelings, mm-hmm. you know, these desires, but no one is truly born in the wrong body. Right, and that's such a lie of the enemy. Absolutely. And, you know, there's this saying, I know I'm going to probably destroy it, but uh, something like the more you hear a lie, the more you tend to believe it. And the enemy uses that tactic. He's the father of lies. You repeat it enough, often enough, and people start believing it. And what does the public school system do? Reach kids at younger and younger ages when they can't even process this, but they're hearing the lies. We've talked a lot about public education in the last couple weeks in terms of what's happening in our culture today, in our streets, this anti-American hatred. But beyond that, it started decades ago with telling people, hey, you, you may have been born, you know, gay or lesbian or, you know, experiment with your sexuality. Find out who you are. So it's a complete ignorance of who God made them. Actually, it's more of a rebellion. Uh, would you like to say something a little bit about that, Laura, and your concerns about what they're doing to very, very young children? I'm not talking about necessarily the drag queen story hours, but into public schools. They've, they've got them. They've got the kids at young ages. Yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful that this agenda was not pushed when I was a little kid, mm. because I would have been one of those kids just screaming for... Um, you know, to be able to change, because Mm -hmm. I really, by the time I was probably eight, 
um, I was really determined that I was supposed to be a boy, and I was writing all these stories about it as if I had been a boy, and I was fantasizing about this all the time. And I look back, and I'm like, you know, the courts have already taken one child away in Ohio, taken a child away from uh, their parents and put them in the custody of their grandparents. I think it was a girl wanting to transition to a boy. And uh, I'm like, you know, would would the courts have done that if I had screamed loud enough, you know, and my body would have never developed into a female body. And I'm so thankful now. These children don't understand. For one thing, they're, you know, it is normal for a child uh, to to question because they don't know who they are. You know, um, it, it's it's normal for them to, um, to think about other things. Like, for example, um, if, if you tell a little boy, um, that if he likes boys, then that means they're gay. And they are telling this to some children in these schools. Yep. You know, and what five- or six-year-old boy likes girls at that point? Exactly. I mean, normal, and it's not sexual. Mm-hmm. But then what happens a lot of times, so they're being told these things like this anyway, and then they're being exposed to pornography on top of that, yep. and it's just reinforcing all that. Um, and so this agenda from these schools is so wicked because it is, forcing these things on these little children that can't even process this. They don't even know what male or female really is at that point, other than, you know, they've been told there are girls and boys, but now they're telling them there's really no no such thing, that everybody's just sort of in between. Um, but you know that's not true. Even mm-hmm. As a child, even if somebody had not told you these are boys and these are girls, there's something innate in you that knows there's a difference. And this brings you don't understand it all. Yeah, exactly. This uh, what you said was really interesting. I, I think of young kids. If a young child is from an unhappy home, where maybe there's a divorce, maybe there's turmoil at home, maybe there's abuse, they are going to be so much more willing to do something to change. And if their teacher's yep. saying, "Hey, you might be uh, the opposite sex or whatever, you might like boys." they might start saying, well, this is the answer. And then they, they find out they're getting attention for doing yes. this because it's popular. Um, I'm looking at some sites, Laura, about uh, states that are now requiring schools to teach LGBT history. And more and more states are locking onto this curriculum. I'm looking at one here, New Jersey. They adopted a new gold standard for education. Some of these states are, are teaching this as if it's to be promoted and normalized and now celebrate. We have to celebrate the LGBTQ. What are your thoughts on this, and what can Christian parents do? Well, and the outrageous thing, too, is most of us back then, um, when I was in the lifestyle, we would have said, we would never wish this on our worst enemy. Hmm. Like, there's no way we would have been promoting this to little children. And I've heard some outrage in, in the community over teaching this to children. There are, of course, those that uh, love that this is being taught to children, but there were many of us that were like, no, we knew this was... Um, not the way we wanted to live. We felt like we had to at the time because we didn't feel like we had a choice. Mm. Um, but, And that's why I wish that um, somebody had been willing. You know, I wasn't very willing to listen to my parents at the time, but I wish that there had been a good Christian in my life that maybe could have tried to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this agenda is just going to confuse these children, one, Um and then they, you're exactly right. You made such a good point that if there is something wrong in this child's life, if, if they're going through divorce, is so common mm-hmm. in, um, amongst LGBT from their parents. 
or other traumatic things. There's usually some kind of emotional trauma or physical abuse or something like that, and they're trying so hard to escape the pain, and this is one way they can do it, is by sort of creating this other identity um, that doesn't feel that pain. And then people come alongside them and celebrate them and tell them how wonderful they are. And, I mean, of course this would be enticing to any child. Um, but the reality is that when these children start going through these things, they don't understand the long-term ramifications. Like, um, they don't realize that they are never going to be able to have their own children. You know, or mm. or do they are they even aware that they will want that one day? Yeah. You know, but what what parent wants that for their child and celebrates this and goes, oh, I'm so thankful you're going to be sterile yeah, and never have your own family? I mean, that's cruel. I don't think they think that far ahead. I, I'm not sure I don't they, think they do either. Yeah, I'm not sure they do. I think they just want to. They've been they've been so convinced that they need to be approving, accepting, quote loving, quote tolerant, and that word's been redefined right, and abused. Yeah. Um, so parents have a struggle, and that doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't, um, or that includes Christian parents. So that's what we're talking about today. So, Laura, we're going to get into this article about uh, Jen Hatmaker and her daughter who was gay. Um, we'll get into that probably in the next segment. But for Christian parents, let's talk about just the transgender issue. Uh, what would you say to them if their young child, boy or girl, is struggling or really thinks that the lies they've been told, that they are actually the other gender. Like if it's a little boy, he now says, I'm a girl. If it's a Christian family, and they, they get this either from Hollywood, entertainment, social media, public schools, or their friends, which are a lot of influences, yeah. wh wh how can Christian parents respond to that? I think, first of all, just um, kind of sitting your, yourself in, in the Lord and in the gospel and remembering um, that, the, the the enemy is trying to destroy your child. Like they're trying, the enemy is trying to lie to your child. They are not born this way. They don't. No matter what they're feeling or what they're saying, this is not the truth. And remember the truth of Scripture. And then not operating from a place of fear. So many parents are operating from a place of fear. One of what their child will do, and also from what others will do and what others will say about them. Perfect love casts out fear. Hmm. And so just taking the time to sit down with your child, and especially if they're young saying, asking a lot of questions like, well, um, what made you think that? Where did you hear that? Um, wh what makes you not? Uh, sometimes I'll take the reverse because a lot of times it's really about, it's not so much that they um, really believe they are this other person. In the very beginning, it's really like, I don't like who I am. So if this is a little boy wanting to be a girl, say, why don't you want to be a boy? Or why don't, why don't you like being a boy? A lot of times, for, for boys, a lot of times it's there, there's often a father issue, but if there's not, a lot of times it's insecurity with how they measure up to other boys. This is really common. It's common among siblings or even other peer groups. Um, but if, especially if a, if, if a boy is not, um, maybe he's not quite as um, athletic or maybe he's not um, perceived as being um, quite as masculine, maybe he's more artistic or something like that, these boys often feel really inferior hmm. to other boys. Um, for me as a little girl, you know, because I was, I was trying to roughhouse a lot with my brother, he was uh, the main one I played with, you know, and um, trying to be a little bit more like him. But then when I started acting that way, the, little, the, the girls... Um, felt like I didn't fit in with them, and so I just kept playing more and more with the boys and 
well, fine, I'll go, I'll go play soccer with the boys, you know. Hmm. Um, and so it really begins to reinforce all that. But a lot of times this is really um, an issue of not liking themselves or not feeling like they, they fit in with their own gender. And just helping them navigate that mm-hmm. through a lot of questions, a lot of patience, and a lot of compassion, and bringing it around to the Word of God and what, what God says about them. We're speaking with Laura Perry, former transgender. Her book is Transgender to Transformed. And we've got a lot to talk about when we come back, Laura. We'll continue this conversation, talk about how Christians can respond when their son or daughter comes out and says, I'm gay or I'm lesbian. Also, the Pride Land series on PBS, our tax dollars are supporting. Um, we're going to talk about that. There's actually a move by uh, American Family Association to defund PBS. And Michael Jackson's daughter is uh, playing a lesbian. Actually, she's playing Jesus in a new film and uh, depicting Jesus as a lesbian. Surprise, surprise. And that and a lot more with Laura Perry when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with Laura Perry, former transgender. And, uh, you know, Facebook has a background that you can choose when you post a status update. It's got a heart, but it's an LGBT uh, pride background. And I've seen people use this that I know are not, they're, they're solid Christians. They're not aware of this, but yet it's got the pride, the, the rainbow colors, the pride rainbow. Uh, Lori, it's very subtle. Um, we'll get to a couple things that are not so subtle in a minute. But you even posted on your Facebook a warning to people saying, hey, just want to let you know this is supporting the pride movement. Share your thoughts on some of these things like Twitter had a big pride celebration. They were blatant about it. But some of these things are very subtle. Yeah, and this is one um, that a lot of people wouldn't pick on, uh, pick up on. In fact, it doesn't show. It's really hard to see in the image. You can't quite see all the colors, mm-hmm. but it really was supposed to be inclusive of. And if you look up, uh, the the new pride flag actually shows it's the intersection of um, the LGBTQ pride and Black Lives Matter, and um, and one a lot of people don't know that Black Lives Matter was started by two black lesbians. And um, so they're they're trying to sort of merge these two, um, and it's really like uh, people should be outraged when you think about they are wanting to equate behavior and desires and feelings and lusts and choices with skin color, and it's people should be outraged over this. And first of all, like I, I said in uh, my blog post, and I am not coming against, um, I, I'm not not being racist. I am not trying to say anything against people of any color i said we are all shades of brown Hmm. no one is truly white or black or red or yellow Mm -hmm. we're one human race it's the devil that divides us on superficial matters but just pointing out and so i wasn't um i wanted to make that clear because the image that they are showing um where they have this black heart in the middle so it's it's this black heart surrounded by all these rings of colors from Mm -hmm. the pride rainbow and I said it was just this, um, they don't realize this spiritual truth that they have inadvertently um, exposed because yes. there really is darkness in the heart of pride. Yes. You know, people, people think that they're, they're being authentic and they're living their true self and all of this, but 
really, um, there's no light there. There's no truth there. It, there's darkness in the heart of pride. Well, Laura, what do you say to Christians who say, well, wait a minute, the rainbow is God's. That was a covenant to man from God. And so they hijacked the rainbow colors. What do you, I'm going to use the rainbow. What do you say to that? Because we know what most people now perceive when they see a rainbow flag. Well, it's interesting, too. God's rainbow has um, seven, or people say sometimes even more than seven. It's, um, it's, it's a spectrum, and it's this beautiful blend. The pride flag has six colors, and they're very stark and distinct. And um, this, is, this is not the rainbow. They have, yeah, they've hijacked the symbol, but um, when, we are, when we are using their symbol, you know, if you want to make very clear that you're redefining it, that's one thing. But when you appear to be supporting pride um, and you appear to be supporting this LGBTQ movement, um, I, I think that's dangerous for, um, for people that may look, well, here's this, here's this great Christian that I know really loves the Lord, and they're affirming of LGBTQ. Mm. I think that's the danger in yep. that. Yep. And unless you want to put on top of every post, like, I'm not supporting pride. Yeah. You know, or just or just use a rainbow, like use a real picture of a rainbow that's so much more beautiful. That's true. You know? the, the authentic instead of man-made. Yeah. All right, Laura, let's jump into this PBS uh, issue, public broadcasting system, mm-hmm. just like NPR. If you don't realize it by now, NPR is not, is not even moderate or center anymore. It is a left leftist organization. They get our tax dollars. But this is... A, a series called Pride Land on PBS. I've never seen it. I've read about it. And um, American Family Association has, they're trying to get Congress to defund PBS because our tax dollars are going to support the LGBT. Could you tell us a little bit about what you know about Pride Land? Yeah. And first of all, I was just thinking too of this is a show um, about pride in the South among, you know, in the Bible Belt and where it's scary to come out as, as, LGBTQ, um, but just the fact that they are calling it Pride Land, and um, Proverbs sixteen five through six says, "Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Mm. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil." Um, pride is the opposite of Christianity. I mean, we are to God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So. Um, even putting aside for a moment the, the LGBTQ, celebrating pride should absolutely not be celebrated by any Christian. But this um, particular show, I, I watched one episode where it's this pastor of an affirming church in Mississippi, and it was sad throughout all the interview, they kept talking about community. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, "Many." Uh, this is what the, the host, who's a, a young, I think he's a... Uh, a gay young man who's looking for acceptance in the church. And he says, many churches still reject LGBTQ people who often have to decide between hiding who they are and being cut off from the biggest source of community they've ever known. But the church, the point is the church is not just community. We are, we're not a social club. We're not a community center. You know, um, and so it, it broke my heart to realize like, has anyone really ever shared the gospel with this young man? Exactly. Like, if we can, if people could see um, the reality of this fallen world that is mm. cursed by sin, that we all desperately need a Savior, we all need redemption. Yes. We have all these feelings and desires that are of this carnal nature of this flesh, 
And um, But Christ calls us out of that. He calls us to die to the flesh. He said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. And instead, what we see in these affirming churches is just, oh, come in and we just want to celebrate you and we're just going to love you right where you are. But they never help them out of their sin. Hmm. I mean, what love is it when you read in 1 Corinthians 6 where it says, people that live in these lifestyles, and it's not just these, there are other lifestyles that are completely um, celebrating the flesh and living in the flesh, and it says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And yet it's apparently loving to just um, just accept them and include them in the church and just make them feel like part of the church and never give them the gospel. That's not love. That's yeah. hate. Yeah, but the, the American church has fallen for uh, the deception about community. Community is mm-hmm. good when you're talking about the true Christian community, meaning yes. accountability, discipline, right. sharing the gospel, equipping the saints, praying for one another, having yes. true fellowship and communion, Christian community. But we've made it into be some country club, uh, American Christianity uh, mentality, which is not biblical. Let's go on to the next thing, but just be clear, everybody, the PBS, PBS is using taxpayer funding to lobby the court of public opinion to subvert state laws that pro- protect uh, religious liberty. So just understand what PBS and NPR are doing. You need more information, go to American uh, Family Association. They have an action alert to defund PBS. Um, Laura Perry, uh, we've got an article that you wanted to talk about. I think it's important. Jan Hatmaker um, says it's a moment of pride when daughter revealed that uh, she was gay. Of course, Jen Hatmaker uh, years ago made waves in the Christian community when she embraced not only people, loving people, but the lifestyles of the LGBT community. So it's no surprise that when she would make this announcement about her daughter, she was really proud. In fact, she used that term, proud of my daughter. Her name is Sydney. And she told her mom, Jen Hatmaker, that she knew she was gay at around 12 years old and admitted that she had pretend crushes on boys growing up. I'd love to have you share your heart about this dilemma that a lot of Christian parents have. Yeah, and I really wonder about these pretend crushes because I have talked to young girls that are struggling with their um, their sexual feelings and maybe um, beginning to like girls, and a lot of times, no, they had real crushes on boys. <laughs> but a lot of times, and I don't know her particular story, mm-hmm. um, but often they've been rejected by boys. And so then they, they said, well, those were just pretend crushes. I was just, I was trying to be normal and no... I would say that they were probably real crushes. But, you know, it's sad. I picked up on the same thing you did, that she talks about a moment of pride. And there's such a celebration of pride. And that's not the spirit of Christ in any realm to celebrate pride. Exactly. Um, And I notice how she keeps calling her daughter gay and calling her homosexual. And that's not our identity for anyone that's in Christ. Our identity is in Christ alone. Um and one of the, the points that really made me the most sad were Sydney explained, a, this is I'm quote, quoting out of the article here, Sydney explained a particular moment which Hatmaker described as a terrible day when she picked up a book by an unnamed pastor who didn't know where he landed on homosexuality but knew that he loved gay people in his life, systematically going through the Bible and verse by verse coming to the conclusion that gayness is sin. And she says, that just destroyed me, she told her mom, recalling having a full meltdown that day, read the whole thing in one day, just feeling in that moment like God didn't love me. And so here's this where it needs to be explained. Like, why didn't her mom sit down and say, 
no, God loves you. This is not who you are. Exactly. God calls this sin, and this is a desire you're having, just like people have desires to fornicate, to have sex outside marriage. Mm-hmm. I had lots of those desires long before I was um, went to transgenderism. You know, and that, but that didn't make me who I was. Exactly. Even and as transgender, like yeah, it, that's not who I was. Yep. Yeah, and we all have urges temptations that we ought not act on. Many of them are sexual or sensual. Every human being probably has these urges. We're living in this world. We have these physical bodies, but that doesn't mean you act on them. So for Christian parents to uh, immediately affirm or condone instead of taking the courageous stand, which would be on God's word, and by faith saying, "Um, honey uh, or son, Um, uh, we love you, and God loves you no matter what. However, what you are experiencing is not your identity. It's a feeling. It could be an an emotion. could be something you're picking up from peer pressure or another desire. Um, Laura, what disturbed me is she called it irresponsible Mm -hmm. for pastors to actually say homosexuality is a sin to their congregation. She said... It's so, just so irresponsible to break their hearts, meaning young people who might be struggling with being feelings of um, gay or lesbianism. It's, it's irresponsible of pastors to quote Bible passages and talk about this important issue. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's irresponsible of them not to. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> You know, and she, she goes on to say, it's not enough Christians to say, well, we love you anyway. She said, I don't want to be loved anyway. Mm. And um, there, she said that it may be even more cruel to love LGBT people while also being homose- uh, believing homosexuality to be contrary to biblical teaching. Wow. But that's not true. That wow. That is not what the Word of God says. And at some point, we've got to stop listening to the culture. Yes. And we've got to stop listening to people that claim to be Christians and yet are denying the truth of Scripture. Mm. Because we are absolutely um, told that it is it is loving to share the truth. Um, that I mean, Christ did. He didn't leave people in their sin. Even the woman caught in adultery, who, yes, he didn't condemn. He didn't allow them to stone her. But he said, go and sin no more. Mm. Yes, he acknowledged her sin. And he acknowledged it is a sin against God, and he says, don't do it anymore. But he said, I'm not going to judge you. He said, just don't sin anymore. Uh, in other words, I'm not going to stone you, condemn you, I should right. say, because Jesus That's made a, a judgment. Too. Yes, Jesus <laughs> made judgment, a judgment. Yeah. Jesus said, go and sin yeah. no more. So he acknowledged that she sinned. And by the way, where was the man? But that's for another topic, another day. Um, They sinned. She sinned, and Jesus acknowledged that. So Jesus judged her. He made a judgment, but don't confuse judgment with condemnation. Right, Right. Laura? Right, absolutely. So I think we have a few minutes. I'd I'd love to— Okay, one more thing about this idea that Christian parents— Now, Jen Hatmaker, she embraced the LGBTQ community and the lifestyle and— sin uh, many years ago, so it wasn't surprising that she really coddled her daughter and was proud of her. In her words, she was proud. But for the typical Christian parent who has not, who believes that the Bible is true and any sexual sin outside of marriage between one man and one woman are wrong and would discourage their son or daughter from doing that, when their son or daughter comes to them, maybe when they're in college and says, I'm now a lesbian or I'm now a gay or homosexual, 
What do you say to those Christian parents who have not conformed or compromised their beliefs on the LGBTQ? I want to remind us of one point I made earlier, but just that um, perfect love casts out fear. We cannot operate from a place of fear, because that's what the enemy Amen. always tries to get us to do. Oh, that's so good. Um, but, you know, if you think about the greatest—because the LGBTQ community is really trying to redefine love, and they are telling us what love is. But the greatest display of love in human history, um, God himself, who is the very source of love— loved everyone unconditionally, and yet they nailed him to a cross. Hmm. So when we try to redefine our love until it's, um, until it's received well by everyone, we're always going to fail. You know, um, love sometimes is not received well. Hmm. But, you know, when we continue to love and we continue to stand strong, they will see that. I remember I was so angry at my parents because I knew deep down that they loved me. In fact, the night that I came out to them and they were, um, I was yelling and screaming at them, trying to get um, to manipulate them into, into giving in to what I wanted, they wouldn't give in, and they were so heartbroken for me, and they were crying. And I remember thinking, I wish they didn't love me so much. I wanted <laughs> them to just affirm me, and yes. I knew hmm. that they really loved me. And they, they, they didn't do this perfectly. They, they didn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, but they, they really did a great job at walking this out and saying, I will not affirm this, but I will love you. And it was wow. hard. There were so many situations they were put in where they had no clue what to do, but they kept trusting the Lord. And the more that they sought the Lord, the more that the Lord began to draw me to, to them and to see what he was doing in their lives. And they just... They had told me the truth several times. They were not afraid to tell me the truth. They wa- they tried to ask me questions. They tried to walk me through this. Hmm, but after good. a while, they honestly, they just kept exalting Christ and what he was doing in their lives. Wow. And that was so powerful to me. It was like, wow, God is changing them. They were so different by the time um, that I came to the Lord. They were radically different. In fact, my mom, I had noticed such a change in her you know, I grew up in this very legalistic household, but there was such a change in my mother that when I saw that change, it was at that moment that I knew the gospel was true. And it was like all of a sudden it all made sense, and I could see that Christ was alive and he had changed her. Hmm. Wow. What a power, what, what great wisdom in what you just shared and, and how your parents responded. They didn't have all the answers, but right. they kept on exalting Christ. And that's all we can do sometimes when we run out of uh, options and we just have to love people with the truth. Um, Laura, I, you gave me permission, permission to hold you over for another segment, so we need to do that because I really want to get your take on the Supreme Court ruling on gender discrimination that many uh, Christians believe is they're gonna, it's going to create a tsunami of new litigation, uh, lawsuits against Christians, against religious groups. Also want to get your take on that uh, movie, gri- movie Guide launched a petition to stop the release of a film depicting Jesus as lesbian, and that's played by Michael Jackson's daughter, and also five dangerous trends tearing America apart. More on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with former transgender Laura Perry. Her book is available online. It's called Transgender to Transformed. We will put the link in the podcast today at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Um, by the way, you won't see it if you're 
if you've subscribed to our podcast and you're getting it in a different way, iTunes or RSS feeds or whatever that is, um, you won't get these links. You've got to go to our blog on the website to get all the links uh, for Laura. Um, there's a scripture that you wanted to share, and this is a hard one, uh, Laura, because it's talking about Christian parents when we try and try and try and pray and speak to our daughters or sons and they do not want to come back to the truth. Um, what do you say to them? Well, there are some scriptures that do apply about family members being divided. Go ahead and share what you wanted to share. Yeah, and I wanted to say just real quickly, this is it's actually, we are the exception here in America. We've been used to everybody accepting us being Christian, but in most cultures, being mm. a Christian does cut you off from your family. Yeah, amen. You know, think about Good Muslims. Point. And so this is not unusual. This is just a, a different-looking culture. Um, but he says in Matthew 10:34 through 10:39, "Think not that I am come, send to, uh, come to send peace on the earth. I am not come to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me." Mm. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Wow. You know, and this is not, you know, Jesus is obviously not saying um, we are to not love our family members. But what he's saying is that we must choose him and love him above all else. Yes. If, If we love God, there's a reason he gave the two commandments that he gave in the New Testament when he, su- he summarized the Law and the Prophets mm-hmm. into two commands, there's a reason he gave them in this order. He said that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was the second one. Mm-hmm. We must love God first. And if we love God first with all our heart, with all our mind, and all our soul, not divided, but if we love him, then we will love others. We will truly love others. Yes. Amen. Great scripture. And... Hard scriptures sometimes when you think about not being able to be uh, united or on the same page uh, biblically with a, a family member. But uh, we need to go on, Laura, at, for the sake of time. We've got 10 minutes left, and I wanted to get your take on the Supreme Court ruling. Um, it, here's what is going to happen. We've seen it before. Christian businesses or churches maybe now can be sued because now this is an issue of employment. But activists know that many Christians, churches, organizations can't afford to hire an attorney, to pay for a defense. They can't afford to risk also negative judgments from public opinion, and or they could face fines from the community. I mean, just think of, a, I think, a Jack uh, Phillips Masterpiece Cake Shop. I think yeah. he, he went to court two or three times. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Supreme Court decision, how they reinterpreted the uh, federal prohibition against employment discrimination based on sex and now included sexual orientation and gender identity. Well, it, for there's a lot of issues here that we probably don't have time to <laughs> yeah. unpack. Um, but for one, um, they lumped two cases in with a third that they had a little more um, ground to stand on hmm. um, because the case, the, the main case that was decided was where a young man was fired for um, playing on a, a gay softball league that he played outside of work that had nothing to do with his work. So that's one issue. But they lumped in these other two cases where it really was affecting their work. The one in particular that was a transgender, um, he was living um, as a man for um, years that he worked there. And then all of a sudden, 
decided to that he was going to transition to a woman, and it was a Christian business owner of a funeral home. Well, yeah, in Michigan, right? Um, I th- I've forgotten. I'm not okay. sure of the state, but um, he said, um, you know, he was he was working with the public. He was a funeral director, and so people are paying a lot of money to be there. And he was wanting to um, wear a woman's outfit. And uh, the Christian business owner let him go. Um, but then one thing that there's a couple of people things people don't realize about this case. Um, one, first of all, he had been hired as a man. Um, but two, this man, if you look at his pictures from, I found a picture of uh, him and his wife, um, and then looked at him after he'd been on the hormones a little while, it aged him so much. He ended up dying of kidney failure. Hmm. I would like to know. I don't know his entire medical history, obviously, but I am curious if the, the hormones, like people don't realize what these treatments are doing to people's bodies. We keep celebrating this as if this is so wonderful. Yes. Um, but so first of all, he died before this case was uh, decided. Wow. And yet because of him, now um, this has become law. And um, or at least precedent in the courts. And so this Supreme Court decision has, it's undone a lot of what um, Title, was it Title Mm IX? They gave women, you know, rights to sports and equal opportunity and locker rooms and all these things. Well, now you're saying um, that there's no such thing as women and men can just walk into whatever restroom they want. And it's, it's undone a lot of the protections against women. Yep. And so uh, this is not something to be celebrated, you know, but it's also um, right now there is a small exemption for religious, um, I don't know, uh, institutions like churches and ministries, but that will probably go away quickly, we believe. Um, But it's not protecting Christian business owners, just like this funeral home director. And so as Christians, we are really... Um, going to have to get to a point like Jack Phillips where we're going to have to stand up for the truth at all costs and yes. say, am I really willing to follow Christ? Again, the scripture I've, I've quoted twice now, um, but just to reiterate, this is kind of my life verse. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Mm. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul? And that is what I wow. um, try to live by. That is what we as Christians have got to decide. Are we really willing to follow Christ? Do we love him above all else? Because the reality is we may start getting really persecuted. Um, they, they can, you can now, um, you may lose your business if you fire somebody that's transgender or somebody that's living as homosexual or, um, or if you don't, or if they don't perceive that you're treating them equally. I mean, who knows? This was so broad. There could be all kinds of things. Wow. Um, we don't know the full ramifications nope. that this could bring. No, nope, we don't. But ultimately, our, our trust is not as the, there's one scripture that talks about how it's a vain thing to trust in chariots and horses. Our, our, our hope cannot be in the government. Our hope is not in the courts. Our hope is in Christ. And that we are living for a world beyond this, an eternal world, an eternal kingdom. All right, uh, Laura, we have to move on quickly here. Um, what advice do you give parents of young children who watch television and watch movies or whatever on their iPhones or laptops or whatever, and there's movies coming out that are often hostile toward Christianity? Yep. On primetime television, there's a gay or lesbian character on almost every program, and that's not an exaggeration. They are never the bad guy, the evil person. They are always the victim or well-liked or very popular 
or you kind of feel for them and, and, and can empathize with them. There's a movie coming out that Movie Guide is actually launching a petition to stop the release of this. It depicts Jesus as a lesbian. And I said Movie Guide. There's an article at CBN News, which we'll attach to the podcast post. Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris Jackson, is the actress playing Jesus in this uh, controversial film, um, Habit. I'm not sure if that's the name of the movie. Yes, it is. It's H-A-B-I-T. What are your thoughts on this and the influences, the dumbing down of truth and just really, this is mockery of the Christian faith and of Jesus. And God warns, he said, I will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Your quick thoughts. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is such mockery and blasphemy of the Lord. And um, it almost, it's so disgusting to think about how they would pervert him like this. Yeah. I, I think to, um, to parents, um, one, they shouldn't be watching this. But, you know, we can't entirely protect our, we can't bubble wrap them. So, yes, while I don't endorse that anybody should watch this. Um, but at the same time, if your child does watch something or something like this, um, we need to be intentional about telling our children, even before they watch something like this, you know, um, we need to be discipling our kids day in and day out mm, and yes. um, not just assuming that they're going to get a, uh, absorb the Christian faith through osmosis or or because they go to church that they will become Christians. This is a daily battle. Yep. Um, and we are to equip them for how to deal with these things, for how to um, to recognize the lies and how to... Um, go to the Scripture and say, well, what does the Scripture think about this? Mm. You know, um, what does the Scripture say about this? What does God say? This is not just a book with some good instructions. You know, this is not just a, a good way of life. This is the truth. And there's no truth outside this. Amen. We line everything up by the Word of God. Yeah, we and, we can talk about entertainment all day long. Um, yeah. It doesn't say a whole lot in New or Old Testament about uh, how much ungodly uh, anti-Christian entertainment we should allow in our lives to balance out Bible reading. It doesn't say anything about that. In fact, they, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have television. They didn't have Hollywood. They didn't, America wasn't here. I mean, there's so much. Uh, anyway, we won't, don't have time for that, but we're not going to get to this whole article, uh, Five Dangerous Trends Tearing America Apart. just want to make a couple points. The five trends that um, uh, Alex McFarland, who's a great uh, Christian yeah. uh, a leader and apologist, says— are social disorder, revised history, is which we're seeing the fruit of that now today, leveraged language, they're changing words and redefining terms, controlled news, and class division. I found that to be like, these are like five, I, I, I'm sure we can yeah. think of another one or two, but he asked the question, why the hatred of America is tied to choices within public education. It yeah. breeds rebellion. Anti-American, yeah. anti-Christian, because of course uh, the, of how we were founded. But um, he made this point, Laura. I want to get your quick take on it. Uh, talking about people, uh, churches, pastors, people in leadership um, lacking the courage to stick to the Bible when it comes to quote controversial or social issue, issues and not conform. Why seventy-four percent in this survey, seventy-four percent of people, Christians, parishioners want their leaders, to speak about current events through the moral lens of the Bible. But we don't see these things addressed very often in church, do we, Laura? No, we don't. You know, and I was just uh, thinking about the, the Word of God. Um, if we try to pick and choose what we want, then it's, it's not 
it's not the Bible. Like, the, the Word says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, mm. you know, and is profitable for teaching, for training. I don't know the words memorized in order, but for rebuke, for correction, mm-hmm. for all these things. But if we don't believe that the, the Word of God is entirely the Word of God, mm. then we don't truly believe the Word of God. Amen. Um, it's either authoritative for our life entirely, or it's not. You know, and we have to make that decision, but... Um, I was just thinking, too, about the um, one of the ones you mentioned on um, redefining words. I think that is something that they are doing so well. And we yes. keep, as Christians, we keep um, trying to um, to talk with them on, on their terms. Mm-hmm. And the enemy is a master at this. Yes. I'm like, no, we cannot let them re- redefine love. You know, and... and um, we need to take back those words and say, this is what love means. Amen. Amen. They, and say, they know the truth. Yeah, they, they say love is love, but what, yeah. do, they mean, what do they mean by love? They, they right. mean a, a sexual experience mm-hmm. or emotion or something like that. They don't mean the, the agape love. We could go into that right. whole, uh, another time. But uh, Laura Perry, we will put information on your book. The website, one more time, about the upcoming movie project, In His Image. What is the website? Inhisimage.movie. And, in uh, his image dot movie. Okay. Yep. And real quick, just wanted to mention again, First Stone that I work for. We have tons of resources online, articles, all kinds of things that I want to offer people. We have a wonderful ministry here. Um, they support the Supreme Court rulings. This hasn't shut us down yet, but it may come in the future, you know. And so, just be in prayer for our ministry as well. God bless you, Laura. First Stone. Firststone dot Laura Perry. Okay. We'll talk to you again in the near future. Definitely before in his image is released. God bless you, sister. Stay strong. All right, you too. God bless. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. When we come back, we'll tell you about our guests the rest of the week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, you'll hear from Mary Danielson, uh, Calvary Chapel in Appleton. Also, uh, Thursday, Linda Harvey, Mission America. And on Friday, a man named Mike McGrew, he's a former police officer and now a Christian, and he uh, will have a great perspective on what's going on in America today. Thank you again for listening. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.